All right, it looks like it's that time. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our webinar today about strategies to reduce the impact of the manufacturer blocks. Uh, my name is Dan Dimitri. I am the CEO of PharmaForce, and with me today, who needs to go unmute, is uh, our Anthony Velasquez, our Chief Product Officer. Um, really briefly, but before I get uh, into the content, we just want to briefly introduce PharmaForce and why we have credibility on this subject matter. Um, so PharmaForce is a 340B third-party administrator. But before we were 340B third-party administrators, we used to work for covered entities managing 340B programs. About six years ago, we decided to start our own 340B TPA uh, as we thought we could better serve our community and peers of 340B managers across the country. And over the course of those six years, we have grown to now supporting hundreds of health systems uh, managing their 340B programs as, as a 340B TPA. Uh, and we are in 42 states uh, of the 50 in America. So I'm saying all this because through this experience of both being a 340B manager to working for a covered entity, and now also being on the other side of the fence, managing 340B programs and creating a, a excuse me, a 340B TPA, and, and managing from, from that side of the fence, we have gained a certain level of uh, greater insight into the 340B program, uh, some of the intricate challenges and opportunities to overcome those challenges. And that's why train, trying to stay true to our mission to give back to our peers and colleagues across uh, the, the country, we're providing this webinar and sharing some information that we have learned and some of the best practices that, that you might find useful too. As we go through this webinar, at any time, if you have any questions, just uh, send it through the chat. At the end of the 30 minutes, we're gonna stay longer. Anybody who wants to hear us respond to all the chat questions, we'll be doing so then. So again, it's content for the next 30 minutes, but if you could stay longer, we're gonna be responding to all the chat questions uh, during this. Um, with that said, that's enough of the background. I'll hand it over to my partner, my friend, the great, the magnificent, Mr. Anthony Velasquez. Thank you so much, Dan. Uh, can you hear me? Sound good. All right, perfect. So um, <clears throat> thank you everyone for, uh, for joining today. Uh, as Dan mentioned, my name is Anthony Velasquez. I'm the Chief Product Officer. Um, we have a uh, webinar today that's going to be jam-packed with some good information on manufacturer blocks. So Let's get right into it. Um, we're going to start by talking about the current state of affairs of where, you know, this is sort of like the number one topic on everyone's minds is what is going on with this manufacturer blocks, right? We all have the same questions of, you know, is, is it going to be uh, reversed? Are manufacturers going to stop? It feels like every single week there's a new manufacturer that's coming um, out with a new restriction of 340B pricing. So we're gonna talk about what we know so far is the current state of affairs and, and touch a little bit on the legal aspects. Um, and then we're gonna go into our five tips and strategies where we think that covered entities um, should be taken action immediately to reduce the impact um, of, of the manufacturer blocks. As, as you all are aware, uh, the 340B pricing being blocked has led to a significant loss of savings across the board for uh, covered entities, um, um, you know, pharmacies, patients, you know, everyone is, is really hurting by, by these actions. So um, we want to help, you know, as a, as a TPA and, and, and again, having worked on any side, we want to see 
we want to share with you some insights that hopefully you can take back and implement at your covered entity immediately and help reduce some of the um, the financial impact uh, to your covered entity. So let's go right ahead and, and talk about what is the latest news on the topic. So um, just to recap real quick, um, the manufacturers, there are uh, 14 of them now, are blocking 340B pricing at contract pharmacies. Um, they are um, essentially saying that covered entities uh, can only, that they are supposed to provide a way to access 340B savings that, uh, or 340B pricing via contract pharmacy. That doesn't, that doesn't mean through an entire network, at least that is what they are saying. Of course, you know, we, we believe that that's not the intent of the program and that uh, covered entities should have access to 340B pricing for their patients across their pharmacy network. Um, there seems to be a greater impact for hospitals than for grantees, though uh, you know, the, the manufacturer demands are, are in requests are inconsistent. So some of them um, exclude or exempt grantees altogether. Some of them include um, health centers, but exclude other grantees. So it's, it's, it's all over the place in terms of um, the requests and, um, and what the letters are, are, are asking covered entities to exempt. Um, most, but not all, are asking for covered entities to submit claims data to uh, a, a portal that is called 340B ESP and to enter into an agreement with, uh, with that company and to submit this claim data um, uh, every, every certain period of time um, and to share this data with them so that, so that they can help reduce the number of duplicate discounts. Um, however, this has a lot of implications um, that, uh, and a lot of questions have been raised and, and are continually being asked whether uh, this is uh, uh, legal, whether it violates PHI and, and many other things, which we're gonna get to, we're, we're gonna get to in a minute. Uh, the impact so far as of today, it's about 14 manufacturers. Um, there are over 700 NBCs impacted, um, you know, brand items that uh, entities are able to access at a discount are now completely uh, unavailable uh, at 340B pricing. In most instances, they're available on the 340B catalog, but are available at a retail pricing which is a very, very big problem that we are going to discuss. And ultimately we have uh, even some of our own clients who are facing millions of dollars in, in savings that is now um, being taken away from their facilities and their covered entity to serve their patients and, um, and, and no longer uh, being able to access that. So it's, it's, a, you know, it's really the hottest topic in the 340B industry, and we want to help you know everyone be as informed as possible. So, let's talk about the legal landscape a little bit. I'm not going to get too much into details about the legal landscape. I think that um, uh, entities like uh, 340B Health or organizations like 340B Health do a great job at keeping all of us informed as to where the legal challenges are. I will summarize by just saying that there are a lot of uh, legal challenges going on. Um, there have been some rulings that have favored the covered entity, some rulings, uh, the most recent one did not favor the covered entity, um, but but favored more uh, the uh, 
the manufacturer. Um, so there's there's some you know there there's a mix there's a mix on what is um, uh, what is going on from a legal perspective. HHS is now weighing whether they should uh, appeal the most recent decision. Um, I believe that was with um, AstraZeneca. Um, so you know there there's just a lot going on um, and and you know things from from many different areas that uh, we're not sure. Um, I personally don't know where this is going to end up, unfortunately, from a legal perspective. And I think 340B Health and, and other advocacy groups are trying to um, send letters or have sent letters to HHS asking them to enforce the law as, um, as they see fit, which is that uh, this pricing should not be removed from covered entities. Um, Let's get into um, the first thing that we think every covered entity should have uh, should know about and do immediately. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of going to call this. Let's check off the basics, right? Before we get into okay, how do we, you know, how do we recapture some of this savings? What 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 can we do to stop the bleeding? There's a couple of, of things that I think every covered entity should be doing. Number one is to educate yourself, and and you're doing that by attending here today. So um, I commend you for attending. We thank you for attending. We really hope that this is going to bring a ton of value uh, to, to you and your 340B role, um, whether it's an executive level or you're the 340B manager or even an independent pharmacy. Educate yourself to know what is going on uh, because it is a very complex situation. There are many manufacturers with different rules, different requests, different different. Um, uh, different exemptions um, and things like that that are very difficult to, to keep a track of. Um, there's some great resource, resources out there like 340B Health, uh, perhaps your TPA. I know, I know we have a resource that we share with our covered entities that details each manufacturer and what action they are taking um, and how does it impact your entity type or not. Um, some wholesalers have put out some really good resources where they have each letter from each manufacturer um, where you can go and read and, and see how it's gonna impact your program. Um, the other thing is, you know, um, and this is one thing that many entities have not even, have not done just yet, but if, if you know, you're a, manu you're a covered entity that was impacted by a manufacturer who's uh, enforcing the selection of a designated pharmacy, um, we really encourage you to do that. At least in the meantime, while you design a game plan of how to um, recoup some of the, 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 the savings lost, um, at a minimum, we think that this is something that any should be doing is finding, and I'm gonna share a little bit on how to do that, but uh, just selecting a designated pharmacy is one thing that a lot of covered entities have not done, especially, and this is more towards covered entities that don't have an in-house pharmacy, um, you know, where the pricing is still offered at their in-house pharmacies. If you are a covered entity that does not have an in-house pharmacy and one of the manufacturers is saying you can select one contract pharmacy, some of them are saying you can select two contract pharmacies, um, some of them have you know, really odd requests like you can select a contract pharmacy that's within you know, 40 miles and, and a lot of these different things, um, we really recommend that you, uh, that you take it, this step and select a designated pharmacy. Um, and then another thing that's really uh, that's really important is to know how is your TPA handling this? And we're going to talk more in detail about that because that's really important. But um, is your TPA actively 
proactively blocking uh, some of these NDCs as these manufacturers letters come out because the wholesalers are not keeping up in uh, blocking the pricing. Uh, and actually there's a lot of back and forth on um, whether there should be a retail pricing loaded on a 340B catalog. Um, it seems like that is what is happening and we have seen that where um, instead of the drug not being available for order, ordering, it is available, but it is available at a retail price. Hence, it's causing significant overpayments for uh, covered entities on those drugs. Um, now, moving on to tip number two, um, and this is uh, tying into where I was just mentioning about selecting a contract pharmacy. Um, if you are unsure, how do you even go about this, right? They, the, the, the manufacturers have submitted these forms that you have to fill out. You have to submit a, you have to select a pharmacy. Um, that pharmacy has to have a HIN number. I mean, there, there's just a lot of complexity that, that is involved, even though that sounds simple, that is selecting a pharmacy. Um, it's, it's even a little bit more complicated than that, unfortunately. But the basic, the basic just here is, if you have an in-house pharmacy, um, then that's where you're gonna have the 340B pricing available. Um, and again, please don't take every, anything that I'm saying as absolute because every manufacturer has a different uh, request. Um, it, it's, it's certainly in terms of the requests and exemptions are not coordinated very well or, or you know, are not consistent. You know, like every manufacturer doesn't have the same thing. They all have different, uh, different rules. But if you, um, if you have an in-house pharmacy, that's where you're going to see the 340B pricing. If you do not, most manufacturers are asking to select a, a pharmacy. Um, one thing that I would share is if you are an organization that has an, an in-house pharmacy, but it is not owned by the covered entity, it is owned by your parent organization. Um, we have seen manufacturers agree to provide pricing to those in-house pharmacies. So if you are a hospital or a covered entity in that situation, uh, you, uh, we have seen some entities successfully request um, that the 340B pricing be offered in those pharmacies. And we have seen that as a, uh, something that they have um, approved. Um, but in, in a simple level, you wanna take, you wanna compare the volume of, by the impacted NDCs across your TPA. So if you have Walgreens and uh, uh, well partner for CBS, and if you're using, you know, um, PharmaForce or your independence or, or another TPA, you want to look at the volume across all the pharmacies and you want to look at that data to make sure that you're truly selecting the pharmacy, um, not only based on volume, I think that volume is one aspect of it, but another aspect would be also ensuring that you're servicing your patients. If you're a covered entity with a large cash card program and you know that a lot of your cash card patients are going to a specific store in a certain location close to your covered entity, then that might play a role in you selecting that covered entity, or sorry, that pharmacy. Um, so not just by volume, but I think that I think that starting with the volume as a baseline and then taking into account other factors like do you have a cash card program? Um, if you don't, then maybe the option is to, to, to go off a of volume. Again, you know, um, in the beginning, we, we, have, we have just seen a, a large amount of CEs that have not um, taken this step and we highly recommend uh, doing this. Um, and remember that selecting the pharmacy 
again, has a process. You have to submit the forms to the manufacturers. Um, some of them require that you send to them directly to and have specific instructions in the letters. Some of them ask that you submit it via the ESP site, and there's a process there for doing that. Um, so please, you know, know which, uh, you know, do the, the work of, of figuring out which pharmacy would you like to select as part of your um, uh, program to have the 340B pricing offered. Um, tip number three, and this is something that, um, you know, we think it's, a, it's sort of a more advanced level uh, strategy uh, and something that um, very few number of entities are doing. But one of the things that we are um, recommending is that covered entities consider adding a mail order pharmacy to their pharmacy network. Um, and that that mail order pharmacy becomes their designated pharmacy. Um, and, and this involves a little bit more, a little bit more effort. Um, there, there has to be some, you know, marketing to the patients and, and, and maybe even uh, calling those patients to provide that option of having a mail order pharmacy where you can have the medication shipped directly, you know, to their house or, you know, to their home. Um, we, we, I personally think that this is the future of pharmacy, that there will be a lot more uh, pharmaceutical uh, delivery to a patient's home. Um, but, but again, this is one strategy that can help, that can help with, um, you know, with the manufacturer block. O ultimately, it's also a great way to increase patient adherence. Um, you know, by, by working with a mail order pharmacy that has the, the processes in place to do auto refills, to follow up with patients and, and follow up on adherence reports and things like that, there's certainly an opportunity to not only improve the health of your patients, but also to capture some of these uh, drugs that are now um, not offered across your entire network of uh, contract pharmacies. Um, you can also offer a cash card program uh, via this, this model where you will contract with a mail order pharmacy who can do a, um, a cash card program um, and can uh, have a place where you can send all your patients to capture these medications um, and, and ultimately provide the 340B pricing to the patients. Um, so this is, this is another, another thing that we highly recommend entities look into. Uh, know this is something that you want to do, that, that maybe it fits your cover entity, maybe it doesn't, but at least to know that this is an option. Um, and some TPAs are even offering this model um, as, as part of their um, offering and, and way of trying to help covered entities reduce the impact, and we are one of them. Um, number four, this is a huge one um, because I think that a lot of covered entities are not aware um, that this happened or that this is going on. Uh, unfortunately, what we noticed at the beginning of, you know, when the sort of the blitz happened with manufacturer after manufacturer giving you a week's notice and sometimes not even that, that they were going to block 340B pricing um, at the contract pharmacy, I think that the expectation, and I'm, I'm getting very granular here, but I think that the expectation was that um, on your 340B catalog, you were not able to access that NDC at a 340B pricing. Um, however, what we saw was that the 340B um, uh, pricing was replaced with a, a retail-like um, uh, pricing on your 340B account. So, if you have a um, your contract pharmacies on auto order, 
um, and that was um, that was not blocked at your TPA, or you were ordering and didn't know that that's the pricing that you were paying. We saw some covered entities pay a a higher price price than usual because of this. So we highly encourage covered entities to have a uh, a process in place where you're reviewing your purchases and reviewing pricing. Um, highly encourage you to compare your 340B catalog pricing to the OPA ceiling price. Uh, for those of you that are primary contacts um, or are authorized and officials, you're able to log into the OPA database. There's that new uh, ceiling price tool there where you can look up the ceiling price of any NDC, um, the Apexis pricing tool as well. And then you can compare what you paid. You can also compare it to your other accounts, but you can compare what you paid for the drug versus what the ceiling price was for the drug. Um, and then ultimately too, what, what we're encouraging is that if you did, did find a situation where you were overcharged, that you go through sort of a three-step process. Number one is reach out to the wholesalers, um, confirm that that pricing was loaded correctly to your catalog. Uh, once you've done that, reach out to the manufacturer. I know that it's, 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 it's difficult to, um, um, have the contact information for each manufacturer. One thing, one thing you could do is, is post on the 340B Health website or other advocacy groups um, that that um, certainly you can have other other folks in the network help with figuring out, you know, who is the right contact at that um, at that covered at that manufacturer, and um, ask them, hey, um, we feel that we have been um, overcharged on this NDC. Um, ultimately, what I think the message that um, at least I've seen a lot from 340B Health um, and, and others is that to use the template and submit the overcharge request to HRSA. Uh, so there is a process, and I, I think it's a it's an underutilized process from covered entities because unfortunately, having worked on the covered entity side, you're bombarded with audits and wholesaler issues and you know TPA things and new contracts and quarterly, um, you know, uh, quarterly enrollments and things like that, 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 that this is often an overlooked process, but highly, highly encourage covered entities to um, uh, analyze whether they had been overcharged. Um, as I mentioned in the, in the uh, I think it was the first slide when I was talking about the checking off the basics, please, please, please check with your TPA to make sure that these NDCs are blocked. Um, some gateways are blocking the NDCs, so that could, that could you know, save you overpayments, but some are not. So you wanna check, you know, if you have a contract pharmacy that's working through a gateway, understand that, uh, how that works through your TPA, understand your TPA's capabilities to ultimately block these NDCs, is it happening proactively? How is it being blocked? You know, those are all things that you want to ensure so that you can avoid this situation happen. Um, uh, you will see immediately your drug spend go up on your contract pharmacy. Um, so this is this is a, a, a something that we encourage every covered entity to monitor: is are you overpaying for your drug? Did you pay the 340B price? Do you see? Pricing issues. I mean, this is this is something that, in general, I think covered entities, you know, um, are keeping an eye out on. But 
more than ever with this manufacturer block situation that we think is so important to um, you know, pay attention to this and see if you were impacted by it. Lastly, um, don't, don't do it by yourself. You're not alone. Um, there is a network of uh, other, and network with other entities, other hospitals, other grantees, um, you know, that are, that are going through the same pain points and the same issues. And we think that um, as a community, everyone should be helping each other and working together and sharing good strategies. Unfortunately, there, there is, um, there's some of that, I think that goes on on 340B Health Exchange, um, but we, we, really, we really love to encourage entities to work together. Um, you know, even working with your TPAs, I know, I know that, you know, I worked, I worked on the entity side, now work on the TPA side. Um, you know, we really try to encourage to have, you know, great relationships with our covered entities. Uh, we encourage our covered entities to strategize with their account managers, um, you know, on, hey, what are, what are steps that I'm missing? What are things that I can do to, to reduce the impact of this? And our account managers are helping your company. So we encourage you to go to your account manager, whatever TPA you're using and see how they can help uh, you and, and, um, and, and possibly helping with some of this. Um, if you're using a consultant, see how your consultant can help. Um, you know, when you're working with your TPA, see, ask them what procedures or what processes that they have in place to assist you. Um, you know, is there a workflow to block these, these uh, NDCs proactively? Again, these letters are not coming out with a significant amount of of, of, of time, you know, to prepare and to make the proper changes. They're sort of, hey, here's, you know, their next, our next blocks going on on these NDCs and it's happening, you know, five days from now. Um, and then we encourage you to get involved with 340B Health if you're a hospital and, you know, and, and you're there. Um, this is not a, a paid sponsorship or anything, but, you know, just, just think that they provide a lot of value to hospitals, a lot of information. Um, you know, NAC and other advocacy groups do a great job at providing value and information on, on really how to navigate and, and sort of what's the latest on, on all of this. Um, and, and ultimately, your legal counsel. Um, there's 340B is, a, is, is not a uh, black and white program in, in some areas. There are a lot of gray areas in the program that um, very knowledgeable people can disagree on. Um, so we highly encourage you to um, you know, to talk to your legal counsel uh, on how to best approach this. Now, um, there's one more thing I want to talk about. So those are my five, those are my five tips and strategies, but there's one thing I want to talk about. That's the million dollar question. This is the number one question that I get everywhere I go at the 340B conference. Our, our customers calling us, talking to different consultants. And the question is to submit or not submit to 340B ESP. Uh, what should we do, right? Uh, that is the number one question on everyone's mind. Um, you know, there's a lot of things like, you know, who's responsible for submitting the data? We have to take this on. There's a, there's a burden, you know, there's a, 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 a burden of, um, you know, workload with this. Who really owns the data? There's questions about whether there's a PHI violation. Um, 340B Health has raised some really good questions about the agreement that you're agreeing to on the 340B ESP site. So, um, you know, you know, some, some entities are standing on principle and saying we are not going to submit data to 340B ESP um, and we're willing to, you know, to, to, to have the loss in, in savings and not have access to 340B. 
account and sort of just, you know, taking an approach of we'll see what happens from a legal standpoint. Some entities are saying, hey, we can't afford to do that, to just give up on those savings. Um, you know, some are questioning, is it safe to submit this claims data to 340B ESP? So there's a lot of questions surrounding the topic. And the answer is, um, if you're asking, what should I do? The answer is, there's no right or wrong answer. Um, I think that I think that you should decide what is best for your entity with your legal counsel and what you know on the subject and educate yourself and, and, and do what's best for your entity and for your patients. We, from a TPA perspective, we have a process to help our customers um, submit the data to 340B ESP if they, so, if, they, if they want to do that. If they do not want to do that, then we have a process to block those NBCs and not order them. So, um, you know, of, of course, you submit the data for most manufacturers, you'll access the 340B pricing. If you don't, then you will not have access to the 340B pricing, unfortunately. Um, there, it is a time-consuming process. Uh, you know, by, by, you know, whether you have to download the data yourself and upload it to the portal and all of that stuff. Um, so those are some of the pros and cons, but we don't think that there's a right or wrong answer here. Uh, we think that entities should be, are responsible for their program and should do what they think is best for their program and their patients. I'm going to stop there and uh, turn it over to Dan for a few words, and then we'll come back and and answer some Q&A questions if, any, if anyone wants to stay after. Thank you so much for joining us today. Dan? Yeah, so so again, we're gonna, uh, Anthony's gonna start looking over the, um, the Q&A questions. And also Anthony, there's a lot of questions just in the, the chat group. Um, so while he's looking that over, just so everybody knows, we, we are recording this. It will be on our website next week. So if anybody wants to miss it, wants to view it, uh, and anytime anyone has a question for us, the, as you can see on the screen, there's a number of ways to contact us. We're very happy to, to help. Again, our mission is to improve the 340B experience for our peers and colleagues. And um, so if um, we'll try to do our best answering questions now. Uh, and if you need to pick up the phone and talk to somebody and, and, and dive in a little bit deeper, we're happy to do that with you too. Um, so with that, Anthony. I don't know if I gave you enough time to read the first question you'd like to respond to. Yes, yep, I'm ready, I'm ready. All right, so the first question is um, from April. Does selecting a designated contract pharmacy imply some sort of agreement that would disqualify C from recouping law savings in the future? Should I really... Yeah, I don't, I don't believe so. Again, I'm not, I'm not a, a, a legal expert on this, so I don't want to claim to be. Um, I, don't, I don't believe so. I think that by selecting a designated pharmacy, you're complying with the request that's in front of you at the time. And if you overpaid for a drug at 340B on your 340B catalog, the, the statutory rules clearly state that, um, that a, con a manufacturer cannot overcharge a covered entity above the ceiling price. So I don't see any reason why you couldn't go back and recoup lost savings uh, in the future if any of the rulings are in favor of Hearst. I hope that answered that question. Jason had a question. Have you heard of CEs actually getting repayment following CEs repayment requests? I've actually, actually have, actually have um, um, heard of that. Um, some of the manufacturers, I don't know if you, if you guys have been tracking, but some of the manufacturers are voluntarily offering and saying, we, we know we overcharge. So keep an eye on that. Those are posted on the, on the HRSA website. If you're not able to make any progress with the manufacturer, filling out those templates are really, really important because then that way HRSA assists and sort of um, 
you know, resolving the, the situation between you and the manufacturer. Uh, should the OPA ceiling price match our wholesalers pricing uh, exactly for drugs? What is the opportunity? Yeah, I, I think they should. I, I think they should be close. Um, if you have, if you're enrolled in a Paxos, you you may see sub ceiling prices on your catalog that you will not see on the ceiling price. So there might be slight variations there, but for the most part, they should they should match. Uh, hopefully, I answered that question. Um, Another one, would you recommend covering and submit 340B data to pharma like ESV? What about designated one contract retail pharmacy only? I'm saying it's just appealing, but submitting the data will be, yeah, that, that is the big question, Tom, is, you know, will, would you lose um, sort of, you know, would you lose, um, would manufacturers come back and say, well, some of these are already submitting the data, so what's the point, you know, of requesting? And I think that's a real question, and I honestly, do not know the answer. Uh, I do not know the answer to that. Um, all I know is as a covered entity, you're, you may be in a position where you immediately are losing hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in, in savings um, because of this. Uh, but that's a great question, Tom. That's a million dollar question. I don't know the answer. I don't know how it's gonna end up um, from a legal perspective. Uh, what would your approach be if your TPA had to reverse some claims due to an audit finding in the past, but those NDCs are linked to the blocked manufacturer? Um, that's a great question. That would be a that would be a long answer, so I'm going to skip that. <laughs> um, it was by an anonymous attendee, but I, I would say you know reach out to Apexes. They're always a great source of of information. Um, um, I sometimes not, don't give very straightforward answers, but they, they can be a good source of information. Um, so I'm going to skip that one. Uh, due to the mounting manufacturer restriction, we just elected to submit claims to 34BSP. Once our wholesaler blocks are released, how far back have your other customers gone to submit past block scripts? Um, this is a great question, and I do know the answer to this. We just reached out to 340B ESP on this. Um, and I want to say, I want to say it was about 120 days, um, but I'm not 100% sure, Doug. If you sent me an email, um, I can I can get that answer for you. Um, send me an email, I can get that answer for you. All right, we have I think we have like four more questions to go. Okay, so we are a Critical access hospital covered entity with several contract pharmacies. I was under the impression that if we submit claims to 340BSP that we can use multiple contract pharmacies depending on the manufacturer. That is correct. We've seen some manufacturers saying that you can select up to two. I think there's one, one manufacturer. Again, there's so there's so many rules. Um, but yes, that is correct. That there is at least one, maybe two manufacturers that I that I ha that I know of that will allow you to select more than one. Um, you know, if you're submitting the data to 340B ESP. Um, some, some are, if you submit the data to 340B ESP, you can get access across your entire network, and then some of them are still limiting to like two, um, so they're all over the place. Has anyone had any luck selecting one Walgreens store? I have been told they can't apply NDC blocked at the store level. Uh, Cliff, that's a great question, and I do not know the answer uh, to that, unfortunately. I apologize. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't have any insight into how Walgreens handles their blocking. Um, another question from an anonymous attending, how does 340B impact our compliance with CMS to not influence patients to use a specific 
pharmacy. Um, I think maybe what maybe maybe the question is um, how do you sort of not get in trouble? And maybe maybe you're referring to what I mentioned on the uh, mail order pharmacy. Um, you know, I think there are some some you know state and uh, uh, you know pharmacy regulations to be careful of and CMS with um, you know restricting patient choice. I certainly wasn't wasn't suggesting that. I think that offering the patients the option of having a mail order pharmacy as an option, I think it's perfectly fine and legal. And I've done it at other covered entities that I worked at and had legal stamp it and all that. Um, what do you see as the pros and cons of the age service organization covered entity adding contract pharmacy to our network? We currently work with one local pharmacy, the TPA, as well as the mail order pharmacy. We also make contract pharmacy. Uh, Julian, I'm sorry I can't answer. That's a very specific question. Maybe if you can contact um, contact us, and we would love to talk more specifically on that to that specific need to your covered entity. We would love to help you with that. Um, coming from Felipe, thank you, Felipe. <laughs> um, so there's still there's still 174 people on. So let's see. Let me let me see. I think I, we got more questions in the chat that you all can see. Um, let me see. When you're speaking about monitoring overpayments, are you speaking only to CEs that have split billing? We only use contract pharmacies at this point and nothing in Yeah, so Tracy, um, if you're still on, I was saying actually not just split billing, but on the contract pharmacy side, um, your your contract pharmacies each have a 340B catalog that is um, that can also have um, over um, overcharging on the 340B price specifically tied to the manufacturer blocks because of wholesalers not not um, um, not blocking them or removing them completely and then just loading a retail pricing on your 340b catalog so this is you buying at retail at a you buying at a non 340b price on a 340b account um, which is an issue and can be concerning and that's happening to you um, the question from Julian, I answered that. Can we get the direct link to the OPA ceiling price tool and a Pexis pricing tool? Um, this was a question from someone. Um, if you just go to the OPA.gov and go to the, uh, sorry, HRSA.gov and go to the 340B area and go into the OPA portal, you can, You. it's not a public, the ceiling price is not public. You need to have, um, uh, you need to be either an authorized and official or the primary contact and having login into the HERS, into the OPA database in order to access the ceiling price tool. Hopefully that answers that answers your question. Um, Barbara, do you have suggestions on how to check wholesaler pricing across the board? 340B, GPO, and WAC. Yeah, actually, actually, Barbara, some wholesalers have really good reporting that allows you to do that, where you can select um, multiple catalogs and um, you can select multiple accounts and you can compare the pricing side by side. Um, otherwise, if you just download the pricing, the 340B catalog for all of your contract pharmacies and load them together on an Excel spreadsheet, you can also do it that way. That's a little bit more work, but that's another way of, of doing it. Um, there was another question on, after submitting data to 340B to ESP, are we supposed to get pricing back on a covered entity level or contract pharmacy level? I'm hearing different answers from their support. Yeah, the, the, the pricing that will be applied if you submit the data to, to the 340B ESP um, is at a contract or pharmacy level. 
So um, if the uh, manufacturer has a restriction where they will only offer 340B pricing on a limited number of contract pharmacies, then you have to work with them to say, apply it to these two MPI numbers. Um, but some are asking, if you submit the 340B ESP data, we'll give you 340B access to all of your contract pharmacies. Hopefully that clarifies that. Uh, yeah, you're welcome, Christy. Um, oh, I'm sorry, April, I thought you could see my screen. I apologize. Um, there's one more. I think Walgreens is working on a single site. Reach out to your rep. Yeah, that's what I would say too. Can you talk about more, more you know, about Pfizer's, uh, their opening up offering product? I do not. I do not know anything about Pfizer's um, or Celgene. Are they opening up offering the products to hospital? Actually, I did hear about the Celgene um, where they were offering products to um, to hospitals now with with without the limited distribution, but I, I don't, I don't have all the information on that particular example um, as to what I know it was a, a high dollar specialty product that was, that was not being offered. Um, Tiffany Poole, okay, Tiffany. So Tiffany said, if I can recap, okay, cool. So real quick, I will recap by saying, um, check off the basics like educating yourself, reading the letters from the manufacturers, um, um, using your resources like 340B Health and, um, and um, uh, the wholesalers and others to, to know what's going on. Um, number two was how to select a contract pharmacy and select how to help you uh, select a designated contract pharmacy uh, and, and some tips on how to do that. Uh, number three was on considering a mail order pharmacy contract to help you, um, you know, capture some of the savings through a designated uh, pharmacy. Um, number four was to monitor your overpayments or overcharges on your 340B accounts. And number five was to network with others and see what other entities are doing. Hopefully, that summarizes everything. Tiffany, specify which manufacturer will give you full access to pricing. Uh, Tiffany, I would love to, but it is a long list of 14 manufacturers, all with different rules and uh, applying to different entities and all that other stuff. Um, and it will be very difficult uh, and it will take a lot of time to do that. But if you message me, I will get you some more information on that. So send me an email at avelasquez.thepharmaforce.com. Um, Jason, thanks for hosting today. How long has PharmaForce been in business? We have been in business since 2016, Jason. Thanks for the question. All right, I don't see any more questions. I'm gonna stop there and thank you all so much for your time. And uh, for those of you that hung out with us a little bit longer to answer, to do the Q&A, we really, really appreciate it. Uh, maybe in a future session, we'll do a live uh, Q&A where we can go back and forth and discuss some of these topics. Uh, but again, super grateful that you all joined us um, uh, and hopefully we were able to provide some value on the topic. Um, I did, unfortunately, as all of you are logging off, maybe I'll get the last few of you. We are doing a next webinar on April the 21st um, at 1130, same time, 
on uh, taking your contract pharmacy program to the next level. And I'm gonna give you a step-by-step -step guide on how to do that. So um, be on the lookout for that. We're gonna send you all the emails and registrations and all of that. Um, and again, thank you very much for joining us today.